This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 12, Purpose of Israel. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. And it shall come to pass that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you and you shall be a blessing. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 13, New King James Version. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree, and today we're talking about what the purpose of Israel was and why God had to choose a nation to be the chosen nation. I know for some people, there's the question of why Israel, but that's really not the angle that I want to go on to or walk down for this particular episode. Really the heart of what I want to talk about is why God had to choose a nation at all. Um, I think that is more of a question that we should ask because at the end of the day, when you look at Israel's behavior, it's really not that different from other people. I mean, I don't mean from a cultural standpoint. I just mean from a reactive standpoint. Israel struggled hard to follow the law. They struggled hard to be faithful to God and to hold up their end of the bargain. They could not do it. And no one can. That's the whole reason God sent the Messiah. Were they better at it than if he had chosen some unknown other nation? I don't know. I'm assuming not, or I'm assuming that they were because that's the way God did it. He knows all things and I no very little things but i don't think that that's really the question to be answered i think the question to be answered is why choose a nation at all why did there have to be a specific nation that he favored why couldn't it just continue to be individual people like he loved enoch and enoch was taken up right he loved Uh, Noah and Noah was spared he loved Abraham and gave Abraham this promise which is how we ended up with the tribe of Israel why move from these individual people into a whole nation right that's the question that we are going to look into today so I think there's really two parts to this question or two answers and Both of them center around the Messiah. If you look at uh, verses in the beginning and verses in the Old Testament, you will see how all of this really comes together. It starts in the beginning. In the beginning, when God is issuing out punishments for the fall, 
he tells the serpent that there will basically be animosity and war between his seed and the woman's seed, his being the serpent. And it's interesting because this is the only place in the Bible where a woman is referred to as having seed. In all other cases, it's like the seed of David or the seed of Solomon or something like that. It's always in reference to a man's seed. But in this one instance, it's a woman's seed because it's in reference to the Messiah that was born of a woman and does not have an earthly father. And this Messiah is prophesied to crush the head of the serpent. It's basically God saying, you're not going to win this. I am going to send someone to defeat you once and for all. Your days are numbered. That's essentially what that verse says. But it's also a starting point, right? It's a point of hope for mankind that we can say, okay, this the seed is going to come and it's going to end all of this once and for all and we can go back to the way things were back in the garden when things were perfect it's a sign of hope but if that's all that god ever said about the seed we would never find it we would never know who the seed was we would just be like well i don't know he said he was gonna send somebody to save us but we ain't been saved yet so i guess i don't know right you need details to understand who somebody is, to recognize somebody. And that's where messianic prophecy comes in. There are countless verses in the Old Testament where there's a prophecy saying who the Messiah is, what he will be like, where he will be, what he will do, um, the things that he will teach or how he will teach them. And so in order to accurately portray it, in order to accurately give us a vision of who this, this person is, you have to get really detailed. One of the most profound things about messianic prophecy is that there's so many prophecies, it's scientifically, it, it's improbable that anybody could fulfill all of these prophecies, and yet Christ does. That's the whole thing. If I tell you that, you know, a one-legged, uh, purple-eyed man with green hair and a tattoo of a parrot on his left arm is going to come into your store at 3 p.m. on Thursday, March 5th, 2025, like, that is a very specific thing to say. Like, one, the odds of that happening are zero because I just made all of that up off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, even if I hadn't made it up off the top of my head, it would be an infinitesimal probability that this would happen. But more importantly, if it happened, you would know without a shadow of doubt that that was the guy that I talked to about that, that that you'd be like whoa like that that's exactly what she said would happen and that's how it was supposed to be with the messiah god specified okay this person is coming at this time through this lineage in this city for this purpose and this is how it's going to happen <clears throat> and 
In order to be that specific, like I said, he had to tell us what lineage he's coming through. He had to tell us what place he's going to be born in. Well, that means you have to get these people in that place. You have to create this lineage. All of these things have to happen in that particular order for you to be able to say, well, this is how it's going to happen. If, if, I mean, if someone said that I was going to be born of my parents, but they never created my parents, I could never be born. That's basic logic. So part of the reason we have Israel is because we had to have the Messiah. There had to be some lineage that brought in this Messiah that God was talking about that came straight from Adam and went straight to the Messiah. And of course, in bringing about this person, um, I'm sure, I don't know if we've ever talked about generational curses here, but who you are has a lot to do with who raises you. Um, you pick up their ideas, their habits, and um, a lot of their values, but they've also done studies where they find that you pick up their traumas. You pick up um, all kinds of things genetically. And I don't, you know, like there's the whole nurture versus nature argument. And some things are um, nurture, some things are from your environment. You pick them up because this is what you see. But there are things that are inherited genetically that, you know, you just, it's just passed down through the you know the smallest chromosomes and the the you know most minute DNA pieces, and so when you think about that, God also had to be mindful of the people He's bringing this Messiah through. If you bring the Messiah through people who don't believe in God at all, how do you expect? the Messiah, I mean, even the Messiah being, you know, God's son, the Messiah might believe in God and have this relationship with God, but the people around him would think he was absolutely insane. It wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. You, He has to come in the right environment for it to make any difference, for it to carry any momentum. Um, people have to stop and listen. One of the things I always say about great leaders there are lots of people in the world who have great ideas, but it doesn't mean people are listening to them. The people who become great leaders are the people who have people actually listen to their ideas, people who actually follow their ideas, people who actually go along with it. And that's one of the things, when the Messiah came, there had to be traction behind what he's telling people. If he went to a people, if he was born into a people that would not listen at all, it would have been dead in the water. So you have to create this environment. Now, of course, like we said, Israel wasn't the best at staying faithful to God. And we see they ended up killing the Messiah because they weren't the best at staying faithful to God. But there's a lot, a lot more to it than just that. The fact is, from the beginning, there was some sort of standard that God was holding. And nobody was good at keeping it. Obviously, we see Adam and Eve failed. That's why we're in this situation. That's why we're having this conversation. Um, their firstborn child failed. And this failure just kept propagating through our lineage or our, through our, 
uh, ancestry. Yeah. And it will continue to propagate through our lineage. I think that's the phrasing that I'm looking for. But the thing is, you need something to tell you what's right and wrong. Something concrete. The reason there's so much confusion even today is because there was this time where there seems to be this gray area. Clearly there were rules, there were laws. God is calling people sinful. He destroyed the earth with a flood because of sin. And in the New Testament, he clearly says that sin is transgression of the law, which means that there had to have been a law that the people were transgressing. Same thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. It would be extremely insane to think that God would punish Sodom and Gomorrah for violating a law that did not exist or that only applied to a certain group of people. No, this law was for the world, but up until Moses wrote it down or up until God wrote it down and um, you know Moses broke the tablet and ended up having to rewrite it, this law was just passed down word of mouth. It was, it was just a, uh, a generally known thing. So for instance, one of those laws, a, a law that we have now that's kind of like that is don't pick your nose in public. <laughs> this is not written in stone anywhere, though it might be now with the whole COVID-19 thing, but it's just a, a societally accepted thing. You don't pick your nose in public. Everybody knows it. Uh, some people might do it anyway. There's no, you know, the police are probably not going to cart you away. Like I said, pre-COVID-19, now you might go to jail. But it's just something people know, right? And something like that, I think, is more universal. But then as you start going culture to culture, you start having these things that are like nuanced, right? Like in certain cultures, people bow to their elders, but in other cultures, they don't. I learned when I took Arabic that it's extremely rude to show the, the sole of your foot to somebody. That's not really a thing in America. So if I had just bounced over, you know, to like the UAE, I would have thought nothing of crossing my legs and resting my foot on my knee. And I would be offending like a whole group of people without even knowing it because that is not written in stone anywhere. And it would be completely accidental. I think that a lot of this kind of happened in the time between Israel or before Israel. You had these laws or these rules that God expected of mankind, um, this definition of righteousness. But if you weren't pursuing a relationship with God, you would never know what they were or you would have trouble uh, tweezing out the finer points of them. And that's still, that's still true today. But if left to our own devices, um, his original design could have been completely lost because it is up to those people to pass it on to their children and for their children to pass it on to their children. So if you leave people to their own devices and they're not quite getting it and they, they think they know, but they, they change this or they choose that, believe that, eventually you're gonna come to a generation that doesn't know anything about righteousness. So you have to stop and you have to spell it out. And that's what he did. He took this nation, he was like, look, this, this is what it is. And I mean, even in all of this, Moses is the one who writes Genesis as well. So he's going from the beginning. This is how you got here. 
this is why I put you here. This is, um, you know, this is how things are going to continue. This is the plan of salvation. You know, he's, he's telling the entire story to these people with the purpose of them passing it down. And while the Israelites were not that great at keeping the law, like actually doing the legwork, they were meticulous at keeping records. They were really, really good about preserving the lineages, about preserving this information. There's the scribes like copying the stuff over and they found very, very little discrepancies between the uh, copies of the Bible, of the scrolls, where they were copying things over. They were meticulous about preserving this information. And that was the point, preserve the information because it was for us all. And when you stop and think about it, you realize that that's really powerful, that God looked out and said, okay, I need a nation that can preserve everything until I'm ready to send this Messiah. And after all of these things, we will send this preserved knowledge out to the entire world. And the fact that they were able to preserve all of this is why we can recognize the Messiah. Because if they had, if it was just hearsay and they had no records and no preservation, we would just be like, okay, so they're saying this guy Jesus is the Messiah and he seemed like a cool guy, but I don't know how they got that. Like, they're, it's questionable. I mean, he was cool and everything, but like, are you sure? But because we have the Old Testament with all of the preser preservations of the messianic prophecies, we can see why they know, or well, why they should have known that he was the Messiah. We can see how the earth was created. We can see all of these things come to pass. And so the purpose of creating a nation, whether it was Israel or any other nation, the whole purpose of creating a chosen nation was about preserving this information, was about preserving a way of life, a culture that we could learn from. And that's, that's really an inspiring thing. I think um, for me, I think it means more um, knowing that as a black American, that's something that was stripped from my family, right? The ability to preserve your lineage and to preserve your culture and to preserve um, these types of details, they're very powerful. Make no mistake about it. They're very powerful and they make you a powerful person. The saying, if you, if you don't know where you're go coming from, you don't know where you're going or something like that. I probably butchered that saying, but it's very true. Knowing where you came from is very profound and it does help you and get where you're going. And I think that that's the primary reason why God created that nation. So to summarize what I've been saying is the reason God created Israel is to save us. Yeah, that's, I said all of that to say that. Um, it was really for the whole purpose of ushering in the Messiah so that we could have salvation as a whole. And if you don't believe me, you should open up your Bible and read Isaiah chapter 49, verse six. It says, indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. 
I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. That is the purpose of Israel. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. I hope you enjoyed the content and that it was a blessing to you. You can find the show notes on the website, www.psalmstoguide.com. You can also leave me a message there or follow me on Instagram if you have questions, thoughts, comments, etc. Um, I look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to tune in next week. I will see you then. Bye.